0: Hallelujah! You know, the song that we just sang said is so amazing. It, at every point in time, you should be able to do something that you yourself you are amazed at yourself. You say, hey, never been able to shout like that—yes, it's you. Something you have to be able to do it, and there's no proper place to do it than the house of God. You get it? There's no better place to express yourself freely, freely, freely. Than the house of God. Amen. Today I want us to look at a story in the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. Are you blessed to be in the house of God? Oh, are you blessed? Hey, it's like there's a lot of quietness in the house. Are you blessed to be in the house of God? You know, tell the person sitting next to you, I'm happy to see you this afternoon. And I'm glad to see you smile to me. You know, the way you are saying, I'm glad to see you smile to me, and you are front of your face. Is there that, that you are glad? It's like I'm forcing you to say something that you don't want to say. So say it with the manifestation i am glad to see you smile to me uh, yes. you know, some people have not been exercising there yes, seriously i like it's like it, it's even weird but it should not be weird you get it amen anytime we come to the house of god you should be joyful you know the joy and excitement and happiness is not a preserve of any place you get it? It's not, it's not a preserve of any particular location. We decide to make the house of God joyful. You get it? If you come and you are not feeling it because you are not manifesting it. So just flow. Don't sometimes don't be intimidated by the person sitting next to you. If you want to shout, you shout. If you want to jump, you jump. Want to kneel, you kneel. Amen. Yeah, yeah but it's like. Every year, it's like all of us are prim and proper. It's like our level of gentility is category five. (laughs) Amen. Second Kings chapter 13. I want to read verse 10 and 11, then I'll continue from verse 14 to 19. It says, Popular story. Second Kings. Chapter. please try and open, if it's your phone or your iPad, open to that verse and look yeah. and as much as possible to try to take some notes, it helps you know sometimes when you hear the message for the first time just about 30% or less is what you can capture with your mind but as you put down notes, you listen to it again it's like the, 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 the level of You being able to catch something from it increases. That's why we are always encouraging all of us to try and listen to messages. Try and write notes when you come. Make it a conscious effort to do it. Helps. Amen. And when you write to make sure that when you go, it doesn't become a power. You know, it's like you are writing, 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 writing. You just have to get to a place whereby it's like, well. Where you go and you dig the well once again. Remember when Abraham dug some wells. And when Isaac came, he thought that he could also dig his wells. So he started doing them and it was not working. So he had to go back to the wells that Abraham had dug. And those were the wells that worked for him. In this house, as we come every Sunday, every Wednesday, wells are being dug. And the messages that are coming, they are wells of wisdom, wells of anointing, wells of impartation. That have been that every time, you get it. So make sure that you go and you read back the wells. You go, you look at the notes again. So as you listen to the message, as you are going through the nose, you are reading the wells, and you'll be surprised. That, so this person, so the man of God said that the man of God, you'll be surprised. You get it. So make sure that you read take your wells. He yourself, you and I know that if you are taught in school and you don't do what you call revision the percentage that you get in the exams you you will not be happy with it you might get less than uh, 50 or even less than 20 depending on how low you've not revised so these things that we are learning you know it is not the bible says that all these things that we are learning it is for it is for our benefit that we apply them practically in our life it's not that we come and we we, we listen to it and it comes and goes so no that's not the purpose of the whole thing the purpose of messages, the purpose of the word. You know the Bible says the word of God is is, is, is what? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So what it does is that it operates on you and I. When it comes, there is some perception, there were some views you had on certain things that when you come and you listen to the word of God, it either affirms it or it corrects you, it rebukes you. So that you know that, oh, this thing that I've been doing, no, I don't have to do it that way. I have to do it this way. And you see that the word of God is in such a way that it affects every facet of our life. So even as we come to church, it's not just that we are coming to listen to the word of God for it to improve our spiritual life alone. No. But the word of God improves our relationship with people. The word of God even affects our attitude. You know, it affects our attitude. It affects everything about it. So that's why we have to take it very seriously. And that's why the enemy too is always trying as much as possible to make sure that once the word hits you, it takes it away. The parable of the sower. You get it? So we must try as much as possible that we get understanding when we are listening. Amen. So be eager. It's not just for today, but anytime the word of God is being preached, anxious, eager, listen listen to it with enthusiasm, take your notes, write it, Revise. Go back to it. And it is true that that you be blessed. Amen. Second Kings chapter thirteen, verse ten and eleven. The Bible says, "In the thirtieth, in the thirty seventh year of Joash, king of Judah, Joash the son of Je- Je- Jehuas became king over Israel in Samaria, and reigned sixteen years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord." He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, but walked in them. Amen. Then move to verse 14. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the, remember Joash, the king that was doing so much evil. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father. The chariots of Israel and the horse and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. Then he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Afek, till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times then you would have. Struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Amen. Amen. Those of us that have been coming for the first service, I preach one message on it. You can do a little bit more using this scripture. And we're talking about how the king was supposed to strike more than he did not. But today we are looking at the same scripture but from a different angle. Amen. The first thing that we are learning from this is that this king... Jewish, was a king that did a lot of evil. You get it? He did a lot of evil, but he was able to go to the man of God. You get it? He did a lot of evil, but he was able to, even in, it, in his state, decide to go to the man of God. What am I talking about? You see, one of the greatest, in a way that you might want to title the message, Hands on Hands. Remember that he put his hand on his hand. One of the greatest things that the enemy has been able to do to us as Christians is to, is condemnation. Say condemnation. You see, when the enemy finds out that you have sinned, or better still, led you to sin, because most times he influences certain behavior and certain things for you to sin, and you go and you ask for forgiveness of sins, Once you've asked for forgiveness of sins, that should be the end of the matter. Just as he did. He had son, but he went to the man of God. But the enemy does not always want us to get to that place. He's always condemning you and I. And so the condemnation is one of the greatest things that the enemy is always using against us. But you see, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. But the enemy condemns us of sin. You know, when you are condemned, it's like there's no way out for you again. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, the Holy Spirit convicts you so that you will change. Amen. If you read John chapter 16, verse 8, I will be reading a lot of scriptures. And when he has come, that is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict. That's why you and I, we always need to be praying for the Holy Spirit in our lives. So as a Christian, if you are going through something, you are doing something that is not good, and you are are being rebuked by the Holy Spirit, all that the Holy Spirit is trying to do is that he's trying to draw your attention to the thing that you are doing that is not good and trying to cause you to say that, ask for forgiveness and change. And with respect to God, once you've asked for forgiveness, that is all. There is no remembrance of it anymore, but that is where the enemy has also come and he has laying hold on it. That once you've asked for forgiveness, he will make you feel like you are still not worthy. So sometimes what the enemy does is that he takes away your confidence. He takes away. It's like now you can't. You know what? One thing is that sometimes people do certain things and it's like now they don't even feel like they want to pray anymore because they don't even feel worthy to pray. They don't feel, and that's one of the main causes of people backsliding. Because probably they have done something. Instead of them to run to the throne of grace, to get mercy, to obtain mercy and find grace, the enemy will have, find way of condemning them. But today I came to tell you that you are not being condemned. Amen. Amen. God does not approve of the sin that anybody does. He convicts so that you will change. You will change from your ways and do something better. But what the enemy wants to do is that he wants to condemn you so that he will help you to stay in it. It's like, oh, now that I've, I've found myself in it, then I, I must as well continue to stay in it. You get it? But that's not what the, the God that we serve wants. You remember when Jesus was about dying and he, he was with his disciples and he told, he told them, I'm going to die, all those things. And Peter said, no, 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 it's not going to happen. This, that, uh, it can never happen. I'm going to be with you, this thing is, and Jesus rebuked him. Then Peter denied Jesus three times. You remember it? Even before young people, he denied Jesus three times. Then after he denied Jesus, he did not have that confidence anymore. He did not, just as it happens to you and I, in time that we sin it's like there's no th- that, that confidence even though we've asked for forgiveness of sin we still don't feel that there is that there's that power or there's that God will ever accept us anymore so I found this scripture mark chapter 16 verse 7 so this is Jesus coming back and trying to gather his disciples to meet them so he says but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. You see, if Jesus is getting his disciples back and he's saying, Now go tell the disciples. Peter is included in the disciples, right? But Jesus knew the state of Peter. He knew that Peter still had not forgiven himself, Peter still had not gotten over it because of the condemnation that the enemy was trying to condemn. So, so he said, go tell Peter and the disciples. You get it? So today God is telling me to come and tell her, tell this person and that person that they are not condemned. It is the enemy that wants to take you to that state. If Joash was able to go back to the man of God, you too you can come back to God. Amen. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, a very popular scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Said, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There is no condemnation once you are in Christ. You might have fallen, but once you've asked for forgiveness of sins, that is all. And you know, sometimes it happens this way because as humans as we are, sometimes we forgive, but we don't forget. So we think that the same principle works with God. It's like God has forgiven him, but he's like, he's not forgotten. So it's like, eh, okay. It's like, if he has not forgotten, then what's the point? But God has forgotten. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. I, that is God speaking. I, Even I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not remember your sins. Amen. So he said, he is doing it not for your sake, but for his own sake. You get it? So there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. Joash went back. Joash went back. Joash went back. Then the second thing that, so the first point I want you to know that you are not condemned. Amen. 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 Oh, amen. 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 Tell the person sitting next to you that irrespective of what has happened, irrespective of what has happened, irrespective of your past, irrespective of some past experiences. Oh, look at the person's face. Irrespective of some past experiences, you are not condemned. You are not condemned. God still loves you. Just as you are. As you are. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Joash went back because he was not condemned. Joash went back. But the second thing that I want you to take notice is that he recognized that there was a man of God that he can run to. So, you and I too must be able to recognize Ahmad. 2 chapter 13, verse 14. You and I should be able to recognize the importance of a man of God in our life. You see, one of the things that the enemy is also doing and doing well is to try to remove the importance of spiritual authority over our lives. Because of certain pastors or certain prophets or certain men of God that are not doing the thing right It is giving people that perception that, oh, there's no need for me to have a spiritual authority over my life. But it is not true. We have a lot of doctors that are not proper around. But (laughs) has it stopped you from going to the hospital? No. There are a lot of sometimes you see that you hear that, oh, there's some disease about with some beef or whatever. Has it stopped you from eating beef? No, you still go to... You still go and get your beggars and everything, <laughs> but the enemy has been able to trumpet, trumpet it in our ears that oh, this one it is not important. There is no need for any spiritual authority. But you see, you should be able to recognize that there is an importance of having spiritual authority. So in this house, we have spiritual authority, Reverend Chris. We have to recognize the importance of him in our lives. You know, sometimes you might not, you know, some certain things you recognize it, it's better to recognize it early or late. Because sometimes you, you recognize it, but by the time you recognize it, it, is, it has lost its value. You get it? That is what Satan himself did in Isaiah chapter 14, 13 to 15. He himself wanted to take the place of God because he himself saw that there was no importance of him having any spiritual authority. Isaiah chapter 14, 13 to 15. So he said that, For I have said in your heart, for you have said in your heart, th- th- this is the person that do not recognize authority. It's always about him. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of congregation of the, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to show to the lowest depth of the pit. That is what actually took the enemy down. Not recognizing that, you see, this is the place of spiritual authority, and this is my place. And the same principle, he used it for if too. So in Genesis chapter 3 verse 5, Genesis chapter 3 verse 5, he said, For God knows, this is the enemy talking, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. What the enemy is always trying to do is to remove the importance of leadership. But it is something that you should not do. Consciously decide that you will accept leadership, especially spiritual leadership in your life. You don't, you don't, you don't become familiar because maybe he's Reverend Chris or even is just uh, what do you call it, laughing with you or whatever. It's like they are like you know. You have to be able to recognize the importance of spiritual leadership. Amen. You know when Saul was king. When Saul was king. You could not recognize the importance of spiritual leadership. That's why God just took him off. Because he But it is just sacrificing that this guy is coming to do. Isn't he sacrificing that he, he will come and sacrifice for us to go to war? If, if it's just sacrificing, then me too, I can do it. But you see, there is a place for everything. Amen. And why should we recognize spiritual leadership? Joshua chapter 4 verse 3. Joshua chapter 4 verse 3. Today, we are reading a lot of scriptures. So, they were trying to pick some stones on their way. He said, and commanded them, saying, Take for yourself 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Where should they take the stones? They should take the stones from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Sometimes God is trying to, you know. Sometimes as the man of God prepares a message, even Christ prepares a message to come and preach to us. It is actually a stone for a part of your life for it to be built. So you see that on that day he will come and he's standing at the place where his feet is standing firm. See that that stone is what the stone that you're supposed to take. That is one of the importance why, that's one of the reasons why you should recognize the importance of men of God in your life. Because they actually carry some power and authority that can, and these stones that they took it became a memorial. Because a lot of people were walking through the, the river but he said they should stand, they should take the stone from where the priest stood, feet stood firm. You get it. In 2 Kings chapter 2 2nd Kings chapter 2, verse 12. Still talking about recognizing, Joash recognized the importance of Elisha in his life. You and I must recognize the importance of men of God in in this house, our father, in our life. 2nd Kings chapter 2, verse 12. Said, And Elisha saw it, and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his clothes and tore them into two pieces verse 13 he also took up the mantle of elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the jordan you remember when elijah was about leaving elisha requested that he needed double portion of the anointing right so when Elijah was about living. He was able to take the mantle. But what he had to do was for him to take off his clothes and put on that mantle that the man of God had given him. What am I trying to say? You see, as we always come to church, we listen to messages, we interact with uh, them. What happens is that sometimes we, there is an exchange that is taking place. And the exchange that is taking place is virtually an, an exchange of day taking their clothes and you putting yours on. But you see, familiarity, pride, will not allow you to take yours off and put that on. You get it? Anytime you are coming to church, sometimes there's an exchange. You are coming to church with some level of anger that it is not easy. But as you are coming and you are listening to some messages, there there's been some exchange. Clothes are being exchanged. That's why you have to, because you see, you cannot receive from something you don't recognize you cannot. If you don't appreciate the person, even if, you know, sometimes when you begin to appreciate somebody or something, even if the person is a child, you begin to see things that you were not seeing before. That's all that I'm trying to say. Because if you are coming to church and you don't appreciate the person that will preach to you, th- th- there's no need coming because you will not receive anything. You get what I'm saying? yeah. And you see, when Joash went to El- Elisha, in verse 14 of 2nd kings chapter 13. said, Elisha had become sick with illness with which he would die. But still, you see, there is something that the person carries irrespective of the weakness that the person has. Said Because if Joshua said, oh, but me, I'm going to war, but this guy is even about dying tomorrow. So why should I go to him? Somebody who has no, somebody who is not able, even able to help himself. He cannot heal himself. Physician, heal yourself. He cannot heal himself. Why, 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 why go and worry myself? Yeah, and, and that's what sometimes will happen in a uh, continuous interaction with Reverend Chris. And at the point, you see, like you begin to identify. Ah, but this guy is not even a superhuman being like that. You to hear some, no, Elisha was even about dying. But still, Joash decided that it doesn't matter. Me, I'm not. You know, you know, you must be selective in what you want to see. You get sometimes. If you want to see certain things, you see it. If today I come to church with the purpose of looking for fight, I'll find fight. If I want to come, that if I, I want to see that somebody will step on my toe and it will be, a, I will find it. You get it? You know, that's why we say that your point of view depends on what? Your viewpoint. What you are looking for is what you find. That's all. What you are looking for in the man of God is what you will find. If you are looking for anointing, you find it. If you are looking for criticism, you'll find it. Oh, but these people cry even when we start church; they are not here. They are always telling me to come to church, but they themselves are not. Here. That's what we are looking for. That's what I want you are finding. Eh? You get it. That's why sometimes you go to a place, and especially the ladies happens. You know, when a, a lady and a guy or a husband and a wife goes to a place, and the lady will tell the husband, ah, "Did you see the shoe that the?" I'm here. I mean, not see it. the guy. Not looking for shoes. We see, but the ladies are looking shoes, looking. To, so we'll be able to say that this, that, that. But because the guy was not on the lookout for shoes, it was not one of the things. So, oh, didn't you say that he wearing a very pink bright shoes? I did not see it because I was not looking out for shoes. You get it? <laughs> so the same thing happens in your recognition of men you know, of God. Joash still knew that Elisha was our dying. He knew because the, a, the, the sickness was not any ordinary sickness. It was a sickness that was leading to death. Hmm. That means he is even more condemned than he the king. You know, sometimes hes like, oh, my shit is even better. So <laughs> why should I even go to someone who is worse than me? No. But there is a difference. Amen. Then the third one that I wanted us to look at. So the first one I want us to look at, we are not condemned. Second one, you must recognize The importance of a man of God in your life. And the third one is that physical acts are very important in worship. Physical acts. You know, sometimes when you come to church and you say that worship God, you know, some people it's like lifting up their hands, it's like traveling from here to London. It's not easy. They cannot even lift up their hands. But you see, if you read the Bible, if you are, you know, like if you watch all these. uh, Sorcery and all these things they do, they are doing it physically, but you see, it is turning into something. You get it? It's like you, you don't see the relationship between like lifting up your hands and your deliverance, you don't see the relationship between kneeling before the presence of God and your healing, you don't see that the relationship between lying prostrate in the house of God and your breakthrough, but you see, it is in these things. That's why when you come to the church, you should not be rigid. You should be flexible and whatever. You know, sometimes the Spirit of God is telling you new. No, no, not, not in this place. I bring that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you are casting away the Spirit of God. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. So be flexible. You come to church. Lift up your hands. Worship. Do it. Hmm. Be surprised all these physical acts because you see this whole this idea that oh god knows my heart and that in my heart he knows that i am worshiping him in my heart please let us see if i'm telling somebody i love you i love you i love you and i don't show anything oh you get it so as a christian it's not just your confession alone it's not just what you say that it is god knows yes god knows your heart but let there be a physical manifestation when you come to the house of god you know because the king was the, the the prophet was telling him to do physical arts the room that they were was not a battleground, but the physical arts of ten open the window uh, take the arrow is that how we are going to win the battle? we need arrows we need men we need army. what is this? but that is how the healing is about taking place. get it you know certain parts of the world <laughs> When, you know, when I was young, I wanted to be. I I was following football, so I started this football. And uh, uh, what do you call it? We had a team. We had a team. I was not the main person in charge, but the person was about four years older than me. And we you play matches. You know, we, it's like we had under twelve, under fourteen, under seventeen, you all know, those things. And you know, those things. Even at, you know, in some African, they believe in a lot of sorcery and a lot of. You get it. So sometimes, as you are going to play the match, then you are like the, my, my, my main boss, he say that I'm going to see the Malam. Do you don't know who a Malam is. Uh-huh. So he's going to see that Malam. And when you go and see the Malam, the Malam will give them a leaf, a leaf, like just normal leaf. And the person with the captain's handband will put it on the captain's handband and tie it around it. Oh, this one's, I'm telling you, experience. Tie it around it. Sometimes we go and we still lose. <laughs> so sometimes too, when it happens that way, that we too, because we are angry, we go to him. There's something that he said "Oh, this match, day to they have done something. Because it's like you have done something, day to they have done something. So he said that okay, I will come. I'll come and watch the match with you. So okay, come. So when he comes, he will go and sit at the back of the pool. You see, this thing is a true story. He's going to sit at the back of the pool and he will sit this way crosses lake. Hey, sometimes the balls will be hitting the pole, like left right. <laughs> it will not enter the net. <laughs> so what they sometimes what they see when they see that this are they'll go quickly take him from there. You see, when it is from the evil side we think that it works. But when it comes to God we think that it does not. But there's no ma- better greater magician than our God. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 11. Exodus chapter 17. The people of Israel were in battle. Moses was not there. This was what he was doing. 17, verse 11. So this is the instruction that God gave. You know, the the battle was going on in the battlefield. But this was the instruction that God gave to Moses. He said, and so it was when Moses held up his hand. The Israel prevailed. That Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. People are fighting on the battlefield though. But the hands of Moses being lifted is the determining factor. You never know. As you are worshipping in your house or wherever you find yourself, lifting up holy hands, lying posted before God, things are changing in the spiritual for you. That's why you should not take it for granted. Amen. You remember the story of the lepers that were hungry in 2 Kings chapter 3, 20 4, chapter 7, 3 to 20. It's a long scripture, so you know read it. As they took the step of faith and they were going. The Bible says as they were walking, God was amplifying their steps. God, as they were walking like this, God was amplifying their steps and the Israelites or the enemies the enemy, sorry, the enemies were hearing it as if it was tires. You see you come to church and say jump, jump, jump. You don't see the importance of it. I don't know what it's doing. Amen. Then from the physical act we come to the hands on hands now I titled the message. You know When the man of the prophet told Joash to take the bow and the arrow and do it this way, the Bible says that the prophet put his hand on the hands of Joash. You see, what is the importance of the hands of all these are acts that are happening before the battle? It's like, it's not the battle itself. It's, it's like, you, you might so what are all these things that are happening? You see, there's no direct link between this and that. that that's how God does his things. He, that, it, how he does it, sometimes you, it's, like, it's as if you are working, working, working. That is what is changing it, but sometimes it's not. But sometimes, too, it is your action that God will use. So sometimes you see that you really don't know what God is actually using to work. You know, in the first service, I was saying that God used Peter, God used Paul. Peter, not that educated. Paul, very educated. So you see that. So which of them does it really work? Is it that when you become educated, that God uses, or you don't become educated? It doesn't matter. You just obey what he says to. So the hands of Elijah over the hands of Joash. So you see that the natural hand, the supernatural hand, over the natural hand. You get it? And that's what you and I, we all need, we need, A supernatural hand over our natural effort that's why we need to pray that's why we need to fast that's why we need to engage in spiritual acts because all that we are doing is that god we are bringing our natural abilities can you superimpose it with your supernatural abilities that's where the change comes you get it that's why you cannot rely alone on your you know some of us we can calculate and plan to the t it's good it's like, oh, if this and that happens, and that and that happens, and that and that happens, and that and that happens, I will get that. It is good. But the factor of God, the factor of the supernatural, the factor of prayer, you get it. Because sometimes you'll be surprised. You know, the Bible says, I, 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 I read somewhere, said, man plans, God loves. laughs. You are just joking you think that this was going to happen. Sometimes it will happen, sometimes it doesn't even go according to plan. So all that you are doing with your, that's why as a believer, you should be somebody that is so much interested in prayer. It's not because you are falling into something, or it's not because you are in temptation, or it's not because something bad is happening to you that you are praying, no. But it is just acknowledging the fact that God, in this case, I need you to, you get it? it? It cannot just be your physical every time. It's like, oh, yeah, plan, plan, plan. Yes, it happens. I'm not taking away that physical act. And actually, that will be the last point I'll talk about. But there's a place for the supernatural. And in your life, in my life, there's a place for the supernatural. You see? That's why you need to have an intimate relationship with God in prayer. An intimate relationship with God through his word. Last week, Pastor William made us understand how to please God through faith and by getting to know hearing of the word. You know, having to, come, having to meet somebody in your workplace or your family, that, it's like it, you can explain the person to a point, at a point you can't explain. It's like this particular thing that has happened, I can explain to A, B, C. But after that, I don't know why things are happening the way they're happening. That means there is a place for the supernatural as well. But you see, the, remember the supernatural. There is a good supernatural and a bad supernatural. Uh, the supernatural is not only God. When you say supernatural, it's not only God and supernatural. No, the enemy is supernatural. Anything that is not in the nature is supernatural. But the thing is, it will manifest anyway. Anyway, but how are you controlling it? Are you controlling it by involving God? Mm-hmm. Oh, because the enemy, whether you invite him or not, he he is he, like a friend who you don't invite to the party, but he will come. Yeah, the enemy always comes that way. Amen. And the last one, verse nineteen of Second Kings chapter thirteen, verse nineteen. From verse 18, sorry. Then he said, take the arrows, so he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times, then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Amen. You know, even as much as we are talking about the supernatural, God also needs you to put in an effort. You get it. So the man of God said a strike, He did not give him a limit. But if, you are, if like you are striking your enemies, you do it three times. should' have been striking and striking and striking and striking and striking. That's what we are also supposed to do. Whatever opportunity, you know, because sometimes you that, that's why you that. oh, the prophecy, the prophecy is a, I've been given a word of prophecy, I've prayed about it 21 day fast, everything is set, so no effort. Please, put in your best effort. When we were in school, the teacher used to always tell us that learn as if you've not prayed, and pray as if you've not learned. What it means is that whether it's a supernatural thing that you're doing 100%, a natural thing that you are doing 100%. Don't make your natural thing become reduced because you think that you've prayed about it. You get it? So give it your best shot. Give it your best shot. Give it your whatever you are doing, give it your best shot. Give it your best shot. Give it your best shot. Your best shot. Just as you, are you know, some of us to return the equation we are giving our best shot in the natural things, but when it comes to a supernatural thing, we are not giving our best shot. We are not giving our best shot in prayer. Like you and I know, yes, we don't give our best shot. Because you give eight hours every day. Short, best shot. Or sometimes 12 or 14 hours. Best shot. You just go to the kill. Just go to the kill. Then we give two minutes. No, that, You know how we deceive ourselves and say that, oh, God does not need long hours. All that he needs is my heart. Hey, Is that true? It's true that he needs your heart, but also remember, so if you tell me that, oh, we are in a relationship and you give me two minutes, and even at two minutes he said what's, uh, what's up, hello, and I reply, hi, how are you doing? I'm good. See you later. Is it the same as giving eight hours to something? No, it's not. You get it? So your best shot in whatever you are doing, and your best shot in the service of God. So you ask yourself, this thing I'm doing for God, is that all that I can do? Is that all? Because as, as sometimes we ourselves, we are amazed at the strength that we put in and the enthusiasm and the vigor we give when you are working outside maybe the things of God. It's good. I'm not saying because I'm talking about both. But I'm talking about we're giving our best shot. Because sometimes it's like suddenly two hours becomes too long for you. Why? We do 10 hours and you want overtime of four hours. It is not long. But like suddenly, like two hours of church. So you come and you'll be checking your clocks. Ah, these people, want they come to church, they say we should close our want Why are they still talking? I don't say we But you see, just assess it where is your best shot actually going? So it's like it's supposed to be 100 years, 100 years. But sometimes we have made it 170 here, 30 days. Or better still, 190 years. <laughs> 10 day, Or better still. It is, it is very tilted. You get it. Yeah. So there's importance. You see, that's why you cannot, you know, we find ourselves in a generation where The enemy has succeeded in diluting the importance of the supernatural really 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 uh, but you see the same people that say that oh we we don't believe in god they also do palm reading they also read that thing that is on the newspaper what is it called what is that yeah so don't be deceived, you know, and that, and that's how the enemy is always. That the level of deception that the enemy uses on that is so, it's it's marvelous, it's fantastic. Because you know, when it comes to us and makes us think that way, we, we think that oh, they, 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 oh, me too, I don't believe in anything, I'm an atheist. Meanwhile, they they have something that they will go to. You get it? When Goliath met David, we, we all of us thought that the battle was. On the physical, but you yourself you should even be able to know when the battleground is changing. So, the, Goliath and David was going physical, they were going physical, they were going physical. Then David saw that the man has changed the realm. He said that I'm using the ghost. David said, No, 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 me too, I'm coming the God of Israel. You get it? You should know the realm and the place that the thing is being operated. Let's not be deceived by this the thing that we see around that. Oh, everything is physical, everything is it's true. That yes, I see you, you see me, but that's not all to it. Do you see radio waves? But we still get it. So even if the thing that man has made us able to get into the atmosphere that we don't see, how much more what God is doing? You get it. Yeah. I pray that God will help us so that we will not live in the atmosphere of condemnation. So that we will recognize that there is importance for men of God in our life. So they recognize that the physical act of worship is something that God cherishes. You remember when David was dancing in the house of God that he nearly took his clothes off and his wife was despising her in his heart? God made the woman it. God cherishes it. And the importance of recognizing that there is a supernatural act and there is also a natural act. And that the two of them can go together. Giving our best shot to each and every one of them. Amen.